0: Well, I just want to welcome everyone here to embrace and say happy Palm Sunday as well, one of my favorite Sundays of the year. Anytime you get to have a donkey in church in addition to your pastor, you know it's going to be a good, good day. But my name is Adam. I'm one of the pastors here, and we're excited that you've come, truly overjoyed, been praying that you would show up today, honestly, that you would come and just hear about, about Jesus. So we're excited you're here. We also want to say you, sh- you need to come back, like you have to come back. Next week, we're celebrating Easter, the foundation of our faith, like the reason that we follow Jesus, the reason we have hope after this life, the reason that we can be made new, a new creation is what we celebrate next week. So come back, drag people here if needed, uh, drag them in the name of Jesus, do some loving as you're dragging them. Um, but it's, seriously, you will not want to miss uh, next week. Now, it might sound kind of strange, but I'm a person who absolutely loves parades. I love parades. Like, it's hard to beat a good parade. And to be clear, I do not enjoy watching parades. Instead, I enjoy being in the parade, okay? Like, I've never enjoyed watching watching the Macy's Day parade. It comes on, I'm like, I'm not even sure what this is, so I turn it as quick as I can. But I enjoy being in parades. I mean, as a kid, every 4th of July, my dad was an electrician, and so every year he'd take the Jim Weber electric van, and we'd put flags on it, he'd have a five-gallon bucket, like, full of candy. My brothers and I would sit in the front seat, throwing out as many Tootsie Rolls as we could. Specifically to our buddies, we'd find them. And give like handfuls because we were awesome. And then in junior high at tractor shows, yes. Your pastor can drive a tractor if you need a tractor driven. I am not your person to call. But uh, at tractor shows, otherwise known as Threshing Bees, if you're really into tractors, every single day at a Threshing Bee, they usually have everyone who's got a tractor drive your tractor in the parade. So I would, I would drive my dad's 1948 Alice Chalmers G. It's got the little engine in the back. And uh, there was very few people along the road at a Threshing Bee parade because everyone at the Threshing Bee had a tractor and was in the parade. And then in college, I mentioned my friend Wipes a couple of weeks ago. Wipes and I sat in the back of a cop car after dragging the car hood. Remember that? Okay. So Wipes, uh, we had a Christian concert we were putting on, and we entered the greatest parade uh, in the country. If you don't know, the greatest parade is up in northeast South Dakota. It's the Kranzberg Parade. If you've never been to the Kranzberg Parade, you've actually never celebrated the 4th of July. I'm sorry to let you know. about that. So the 4th of July parade in Cranesburg, it starts at 10 o'clock. Most people are under the influence by about 9.30. So uh, we were in the van. I duct taped a lawn chair to the top of the van, and I was handing out pop to people in the parade. It was like, give me your Budweiser, sir. It's 10 o'clock in the morning. Here's a can of hee-haw instead, okay? So we were like doing that, trying not to hurt babies as I was throwing cans of pop. And then even last week at the St. Paddy's Day parade, I watched that and I, I, every every St. Patty's Day parade, I just dream about being Irish for an hour. I'm like, I wish my last name was Gary or McNally so that I could possibly be in the parade. Anyways, so I enjoy parades, though, for a few different reasons. First off, I'm an extrovert. And in parades, you get to meet a whole bunch of people you have no idea who they are, and it's fantastic. I mean, it's awesome. I would never want to be a politician, ever, uh, but it's fun just to shake hands and hold babies along parades. It's cool. And then the second thing, you get to brighten people's day, throwing Tootsie Rolls out to them, Frisbees, yo-yos, other worthless pieces of plastic. It's just awesome. Again, though, I absolutely love parades. Now, why are we talking about parades, though? Like, why are we talking about parades? Because when you open up the Bible, one of the most most important, most well-known parades that you will find, there's actually a few different parades, but one of the most important ones that you will find is the Palm Sunday Parade. It's the Palm Sunday Parade. One of the most well-known parades is Palm Sunday. And so at this time and across our campuses, I want to have us open up our Bibles to the book of Mark, the Gospel of Mark. Open up to the book of Mark, chapter eleven. Open up your Bible. Honestly, I just encourage us to start bringing our Bibles with you. Ladies, throw it in your purse. Men, throw it in your purse if you got it with. But uh, bring your Bible with. Use the Bible on your phone. Use any Bible you want to use and open it up to Mark chapter eleven. And just to bring us up to speed on what's happening here, for some time now Jesus has been traveling and teaching, and he's been healing people, and he's been doing that for some time. And now him and the twelve disciples, they are on way to Jerusalem, where Jesus will end up dying on a cross. Actually, a few times now, Jesus has told his entourage, he's told the 12 disciples, he's like, hey guys, we're going to go to Jerusalem, and oh, by the way, when we get there, I'm going to be arrested, I'm going to die, I'm going to be killed on a cross, but but there's luck. On the third day, I'm going to rise from the dead. And he keeps telling his friends this, they don't believe him. Again, he just says it over and over again. One other thing to mention about this story, though, is that hundreds of years before this story took place there was a guy named Zechariah. And Zechariah was a prophet. What's a prophet? A person that God speaks through. So, so hundreds of years earlier, years earlier before this happens, Zechariah says, uh, he, he says to everybody, he's like, someday there's gonna be a man who gets on a donkey and rides into the city of Jerusalem. And when this happens, know that this man is unlike any man that's ever come before him. Know when you see that happen, a guy on a donkey riding into Jerusalem, know that when that happens, he will be a king unlike any king that has ever, ever been. And so that is the backstory on this story. And now getting to our story in Mark 11, starting in verse 1, here is what we are told. It says, As Jesus and his disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to the town of Bethage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two of them on ahead. Go into the village over there, he told them. As soon as you enter it, you will see a young donkey tied there that no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. Skip it to verse 7, it says this, Then they brought the colt, the donkey, to Jesus and threw their garments over it, and he sat on it. Many in the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of him, and others spread leafy branches, palmed branches. They cut in the fields. Jesus, last verse, Jesus was at the center, in the center of the procession. Okay, so again, Jesus and his crew are at the edge of Jerusalem. They're coming that way. They get a donkey. Jesus gets on the donkey. They start riding into town. And when he does, a crowd of people show up. In John, it says that a large crowd of people ran to meet Jesus along the road. Okay, I just got to say, I'm not a parade expert. This feels like a real deal parade here, okay? But in verse 8, look at what it says about what the people in the crowds did. And this is going to be our focus for today. Look at what it says in verse 8. It says, many in the crowds spread their garments on the road ahead of him, ahead of Jesus. Again, Jesus in the parade, and many of the people, they took their garments. It can also translate as cloak, which is like an outer coat or a robe. They took their coats, and they laid them on the road before Jesus. And they laid them down, why? As a way of showing honor to Jesus. They laid their coats down, why? As a way of declaring God's greatness, Jesus' greatness. They laid their coats down, why? As a way of saying that my loyalty, my allegiance, and every part of who I am, my entire life, it all belongs to you, Jesus. Jesus. I mean, this was their way of rolling out the red carpet for Jesus. At this time, if you were a king or you were a queen, you would get branches on the ground. You would get people's coats on the ground before you. But listen to this. At this time also, for many of the people, their coat would have been everything they owned. Their coat, this outer coat, would have been their most prized possession Their most valuable thing they own. Like for some of them, it would have been all and everything, truly everything they possessed. And yet once again, when Jesus approaches them on this parade, they run up, they take off their coat, they put it on the ground, and they spread it out before Jesus. Without hesitation. They see Jesus, they run up, they take their coat off, they lay it on the ground before him. An entrance fit for a king. This is a powerful scene, right? The parade and the people laying down their coats, but... More than just them laying down their coats today, I just want to ask, what does this mean for us? Like, I just want to ask, what does this mean for us? Like, what what does it look like for us to lay down something before Jesus? And more than our coats, what does it look like for us to lay down our everything? Like, how do we roll out the red carpet for Jesus? What does it look like for us to lay down our very lives before him? And I, I know this still sounds really churchy, and so trying to get all the churchiness out of my language, what does this mean? Well, here this, to lay something down simply means to give up or to let go. To give up or to let go. And so with Jesus, it's just giving up a part of our lives, or it's letting go of every part of our lives before him, just making it known, Jesus, this is yours. This specific thing I'm letting go of, this specific area of my life I'm giving up, this, this specific place I'm handing over to you, I'm giving every part of who I am, like my entire life I am laying down before you. And so with this for today, we're just going to mention two specific things that we need to lay down before Jesus, two things that I know for me personally are hard to lay down, two things at times are painful to lay down. There's so many things that we can mention, but again, we're just going to lay down, we're going to talk about two specific things that are so important for us to let go of and to give up and to lay down before Jesus. And so the first truth today is this, when it comes to Jesus, first off, we need to lay down our desires. Our desires. When it comes to Jesus, we need to first off lay down our desires. What's our desires? The things that we want. We need to lay down our five-year plan. We need to lay down the things that we are so sure will make us happy, the the things that we're so sure will make us whole. Again, we need to lay down our desires. Now, with this, without going into a full-fledged history lesson, that day when Jesus rode into town on a donkey, the people expected Jesus to become an actual, literal king like they wanted and they were hoping for and they were, they were waiting for a powerful king of their own who would lead and rule them. And yet Jesus was not this. I mean, Jesus was a king of a completely different kind of kingdom. And hear this, with this, if we haven't realized it yet, here's the truth. God, he rarely gives us what we desire. Instead, he usually gives us what we need. Again, if you haven't realized it in your own life, God, he rarely gives us what we desire, Instead, he usually gives us what we need, and I don't know about you, but thank God for that, right? Thank God for that. Thank God he rarely gives us what we desire, instead he gives us what we need. Thank God for that. I mean, think about all the crazy things that you've prayed for. Think about all the crazy things that you've hoped for. Think about all the crazy things that you so badly wanted. Thank God for that. I mean, think about who you would have ended up with in sixth grade. Just you know what I'm saying? Like, dear Jesus, she will complete me. Now you look back and you're like, thank you, Jesus. You know what I mean? It's like, thank God. Rarely gives us what we desire. Instead, he gives us what we need. One of the greatest philosophers of our time, if you're into philosophy, I'm sure you've heard this name before. One of the greatest philosophers of our time, a guy named Garth Brooks once said... <laughs> One said, some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. Can I get an amen in the house of God, right? Again, God rarely gives us what we desire. Instead, he gives us what we need. It's kind of random, but uh, this week I, I thought about one kid that I grew up with that I was so jealous of. I don't know why it hit me. I just thought about my jealousy. I was so jealous of one of my classmates, even in junior high. My, my buddy, he never had a curfew. I can remember being so jealous. I mean, like, oh. He never had a curfew. He got to say yes to everything, everything. If buddies were hanging out, yes. If buddies were going to watch a football game, yes. If buddies were going driving across the country, every single time he got to say yes. I was so jealous. That was in junior high. While me, on the other hand, in high school, I thought about one specific situation. Sorry, Mom, before I even tell this story. Uh, there was one specific situation. I was hanging out with my pastor's kid. We were in the same class together. His name's Joe, one of the best dudes on the planet. I was hanging out with Joe at his mom and dad's place, at the pastor's house, and the pastor's wife's house. There wasn't a party, no alcohol. I'm basically hanging out with Jesus, Okay. So I'm hanging out with Jesus, and we're approaching my curfew. And so I call up my mom. I'm like, surely my mom wants me to hang out with Jesus. And so I call up my mom. My like, mom, we're getting close to the curfew. And so I knew you'd be okay with me hanging out with Jesus. I didn't say that, but I felt that you're, I'm sure you're going to be okay hanging out with Jesus. You know, like you're so proud of my, your son. And uh, she's like, uh, that's great, um, but your curfew is like in 10 minutes. And so if you, you should probably get in your car. And I'm like, Mom, I'm hanging out with Jesus, you know. And so like I on the way back. First off, I was angry at my mom. Second off, I remember being so jealous of my classmate. It's like in sixth grade, you have more rights than I do as a junior in high school? Are you kidding me? But this week, I thought about my friend. I look back at that friend in school. You see, the truth is, my friend, he didn't live with his mom and dad. said he lived with his grandma and an uncle. I can't remember this week. I thought about I can't remember a single time that I ever saw his grandma or his uncle ever at a sporting event. I'm talking never, even though he was a great athlete. I don't remember ever seeing them at school, never seeing them at conferences. I honestly don't ever really remember ever seeing them with the kid, ever. And the reason he didn't have a curfew, because honestly, no one really cared. All I can think about this week, I mean, is I bet my buddy in school only dreamed about having someone who wanted him to bring his butt home. I'm guessing my buddy only dreamed about having someone in his life who cared about him enough to give him some rules. I'm guessing my buddy only dreamed about having a curfew, and if you were late for your curfew, your mom was going to be there to chew you out. I bet my buddy only dreamed. It's crazy how perspective changes when you look back one more time. God, he rarely gives us what we desire. Instead, he gives us what we need. And why does he do this? Because, hear this, because he so loves us. Why does he rarely give us what we desire? Instead, he gives us what we need because he cares about us so much. Why does he rarely give us what we desire? Instead, he gives us what we need because he knows what we need and he has a heavenly father. He loves to generously provide for us because he cares so much. That's why. Jesus himself said, why are you worrying? You're constantly worrying about stuff, what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear. You're constantly worrying. Don't you know you have a heavenly father who knows all of your needs and he loves to provide? Do you not know that about your dad? He loves to provide. And so in knowing all of this about Jesus and also knowing that Jesus is God, once again, we need to lay down our desires. It's getting to the place where it's like, God, this relationship that I so badly want to fix, I'm giving to you. My five-year plan, my, my dreams about my career and my bank account, like I'm just giving it all to you. The things I think will make me happy, even though I've gotten it at at some points, if I take it times 10, Lord, I know it's going to make me happy this time. Those things that are going to make me happy, those things that I desire, I'm laying it all down before you. And at times it's painful, just to, to let you know. At times it's grueling. At times it's like, God, why won't you give me this one thing that I'm praying for, this one thing that I'm begging for. But God, today we're coming, we're laying our coats down, we're laying our desires down before you. We're thankful that you're a good God who rarely gives us what we desire. Instead, he gives us what we need. And so, again, that's the first thing. We need to lay down our desires. And then secondly, we need to lay down control. We need to lay down control. You see, that day at the Palm Sunday parade, the crowds were making a crazy, bold statement. I mean, at the time, these people, they were controlled by Rome. And so Caesar, and only Caesar, was to be king. And to declare that anyone else was was, was king would get you into prison. To to declare that anyone else was truly in control could possibly get you killed. And so that day when the crowds laid down their coat like you would for a royalty, like, like red carpet before a king, they were declaring that Jesus, not Caesar, is king. They were making a bold statement that Jesus, not Caesar, was king. But hear this, they were also declaring, because for us, Caesar being king means nothing to us in 2018, but hear this, they were also declaring that Jesus, not Caesar, but Jesus not themselves is king as well. They were also declaring that Jesus, not I, is king. They were also declaring, yes, Caesar, but they were also declaring that Jesus, not me, is king. That Jesus, not myself, is king. That Jesus, not me, not all of us. That he and only Jesus is king. They were declaring that Jesus not myself, not me, myself, and i Is the only one who is in control of all things. Something that I say often is that as human beings, we are a bunch of control freaks, aren't we? Bunch of control freaks. I hate to let you—you know this, but you're—you're a control freak and a really bad control freak. It's everybody sees it except you. Same thing for me. I'm a control freak. We want to be the captain of our ship, don't we? We want to control things. We, we think we're so, we just know arrogantly. We think we know what's best. And we want to call the shots in our lives, even though we are terrible at being in control of anything, specifically when it comes to our lives. We're terrible at being in control of anything, specifically when it comes to our lives. I know for myself, if you were to like, film my entire week and then watch it, it'd be like watching a bad car accident in slow-mo. He's surely not going to do that. He's surely not going to say that to his wife. He is surely not going to threaten his kids' lives like that on the way to church. He is, you know what I'm saying? Like, he is not going to do that. He's going to do that again. Okay, he's going to do it again. He's going to learn now because that was a hard thing. He's going to learn, you know, don't pee on fences. Like, okay, he's going to do it again. It's like watching a bad car accident. Even as followers of Jesus, we want to be in control, don't we? When the truth is we don't lead Jesus, we follow him. That one time in the Bible where you see come and lead me and said it's only come and follow me. Again, we don't lead Jesus, we, we follow him. And, and getting personal in my own life, I know that I, I, I constantly am fighting for control. Just being totally transparent, I'm constantly trying to control every little aspect of my life. And why do I know this? Because I constantly worry. Constantly worry about things that I have no control of. And I'm naturally a restless, anxious person to start. And I'm just constantly thinking about who knows what. But I'll lose sleep over something, just tossing back and forth. It's like having conversations in my brain, of what would I do, what would I say? Constantly trying to control situations, constantly thinking about every possible outcome, constantly trying to make something happen, constantly lunging for the steering wheel, steering wheel in my life. Even this last Monday, this week, I was worrying about something. I had a really hard conversation, consumed with worry, Monday morning. And Becky calls, and she's like, hey. So I said, hey, back. And she said, what's wrong? And I said, I just said, hey, nothing's wrong. And she said, that's a lie. And I was like, I just said, hey. And so she starts, like, asking questions, and I was able to dance around every one of her questions without giving her an honest response. Two minutes later, we get off the phone, two seconds later... I get this text, didn't tell her anything. Here's what she texted. Give it over to God. Just give it over to God. I don't even know what you're wrestling with, you fool. Just (laughs) give it over to God. Translation, lay whatever you're wrestling with down. Lay down your day, lay down your week, lay down your life. Lay it down before Jesus. Give it over to God. Again, as followers of Jesus, one of the things that we need to lay down, one of the things that we need to let go of is control. Okay, so again, we need to lay down our desires and control. That's nice, but I just got to ask, hate to be the, you know, kind of Debbie Downer in the room, why should we? I know this is Palm Sunday. It's probably wrong to ask this, but I just got to ask, why should we? Everything. Why should we? Adam, I'm a Christian, but I just kind of come here and there. I'm not, I'm I'm a Christian. I'm going to check the Christian box, but why should I do anything more than that? Or Adam, I'm honestly just kind of like a skeptic and, And so, you know, give me a reason why I should lay everything down. Like, I don't understand, but just even looking at our story for today, if their coats were everything they own, like, why would they do such a thing? Why would they do this? Because here's the truth. When we lay down everything, we find everything. Really, really simple. When we lay down everything, that's when we find everything. Jesus once said, if you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, if you, if you lay down your life for me, you will find it. What is it? What is everything? Everything and it is everything that we are searching for in life. I mean, anyone here today is looking for joy? You're just like, man, I got everything I could possibly want. It's almost a miserable thing when you get everything you want because then you give up the desire of like looking for something that's going to make you happy. It's like looking for joy. Anyone looking for peace? It's like, why am I constantly just like, just battling everything? Anyone looking for joy? The joy found in Jesus is, is an instant gratification where you, you do something you know you shouldn't do only to feel more guilty and crappier afterwards. And so instead the joy that comes from Jesus has no end. Like it's just joy regardless of our circumstances. What, what is everything? Everything is purpose in life more than chasing, like, a bigger income or money or status or a, a house, and maybe if we tricked out our house a little bit more, and if we flipped our bathroom, because I don't really like the tile anymore, and if, if I could just get my body, if I just, like, looked, like, this certain way, like, everything is purpose. God gives us a reason to get out of bed each morning. Everything that's our identity, an identity that is constant and unchanging, when we feel crappy about ourselves, our worth is constant. When we don't hit our sales this week and we're bummed about it, which is so stupid that we're bummed, but we are, our worth is constant. When we're still battling the same addiction that we've been battling for years, our worth is constant. When our wife leaves us, our worth is constant. When we're embarrassed, we feel like we're all alone. Our worth, our value is constant. When we're struggling with identity, it's constant. For me personally, I just mentioned I struggle with being restless and anxious. You see, for me, everything is the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Why is it worth it just for me? I'll just tell you, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, the peace of God which God offers us in the midst of storms, not in the absence of. I'm like, God, sign me up for that every single day. Sign me up for that. You see, when we lay down our lives before Jesus, he fills us with himself in everything that he is, joy and peace and faithfulness and gentleness and kindness. He just fills self-control. He just fills us with all that he is. So now today, I just want to close by asking a simple question. Uh, Where are you? This parade is taking place today. I don't know if you knew about it. This guy is riding into town in Jerusalem on this this donkey, and I just want to ask, where are you? And it's okay, wherever you are, don't feel bad about being where you are. Just be honest with yourself. Are Are you in the distance, just kind of watching the parade? Is that where you are? And it's like, yeah, I'm kind of a Christian. I show up every so often. I pray when I try to or whatever. Well, that's about it. Is that you? You're just kind of watching from the crowds? Maybe you're that skeptic, and then if you're a skeptic here with us today, we're honored that you are here. We're not just okay that you're here. We've been praying that you would come. I'm a skeptic myself. We're thrilled that you're here, but maybe you're a skeptic, and you're just standing on the hills just kind of watching Jesus, like just kind of learning more about him. Like I don't really know who this guy is, and my friends are Christians. I'm not really sure. Is that you? Or are you close to the road? and you're close to the road, and you just want to be as close to Jesus as you can, but you're not ready to give up everything. It's like, Jesus, I just want to be so close to you because I'm not happy without you, but I'm not really sure I'm ready to let go of this relationship that I know isn't pleasing to you. Like, I I just know that, and so I'm just going to kind of watch you. Is that cool? And I I know what you have to say about finances, and I know what you have to say about my my thoughts and how I I function and how I talk when I'm with the guys. Like, I just know all these things, and so I, I just want to get as close to you as I possibly can but I'm not really sure that I'm ready to, like, to lay my coat. Do you know how expensive this coat is? Like, it's my most valuable possession. Like, I'm just not, I love you, but I'm just not, like, it's, this is my, my identity. Like, I can't, and so I need to hold. Is that where you, where you're at? Or when you see Jesus today and every day, is your first reaction just to run? I just want to get as close as I can. And as you're running, you're taking off your coat. Why? Because you've tried to find everything, every place else, and yet it's never been enough. So you see Jesus and you're like, oh my goodness, I'm taking my coat off and I'm laying down this addiction. I'm laying down my private life. I'm laying down my marriage because it just doesn't work without you. Like I'm just laying everything down and I'm standing back like everything, like you are a king, I'm not a king. You're in control, I'm not in control. I'm just laying it all down. Again, where are you? My one challenge, wherever you are, take one step towards Jesus. Move from the distance to the road. Move from the road to throwing your coat down. Your most valuable possession, which, by the way, is your life. Lay it down. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, Heavenly Father, we come before you thankful, needy for you. And God, I pray for all of us at all of our campuses that we just take one step to you whatever that looks like, Lord. For some of us, maybe for the first time, we're laying our lives down. We're asking you to come into our lives. We're asking you to be the king of our lives. We're asking you to be in control, maybe for the first time, or maybe for the hundredth time. God, we've done our own thing, and we're coming back to you and laying our life down. Lord, we love you. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.